This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. It's Bill Bartholomew here with you for new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. And of course, breaking news when it happens. Today, I'm welcoming in for his first appearance as a congressional candidate and one of his many appearances here on the pod, General Treasurer Seth Magaziner. And we go through kind of a lightning round sort of, of um, you know, a bunch of different issues and also kind of gauging the treasurer's feelings on the fact that just a few months ago, he was running for governor and now he's running for Congress. And there's been a lot of rumors out there as to whether or not there was some backroom deal with Helena folks and they decided Helena's going to run for governor and Treasurer Magaziner is going to run for Congress, you know, all this kind of business that somehow the treasurer is demoralized right now. So we get into all that, plus some very specific issues happening right now here in Rhode Island, nationally and globally. So a fun episode, as always, appreciate you being here for it, as well as the treasurer for his recurring openness here on Bartholomew Town. If you'd like to support the independent journalism, entertainment, opinion, and analysis that B-Town is known for, well, there's a few ways you can do so. You can leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening right now. Be sure to follow the podcast as well. And if you want to go a step further, simply head to patreon.com slash Bartholomew Town or click the support link wherever you're listening. For as little as $3 per month, you can help to sustain this program. You'll also become a B-Town insider and get exclusive content. That's patreon.com slash Bartholomew Town. All right, let's get right to it. Treasurer Magaziner talking about the second congressional district race, which he has been thrust into perhaps as the favorite to win the Democratic primary in what has become, in addition to the governor's race, certainly a major hot button, high powered conversational uh, race in the 2022 election, that second congressional district seat. All right, Treasurer Magaziner, I think the last time we did this, you were running for governor. Now, fast forward, Congressman Langevin announces that he's not running, um, and you are solidly in this race for Congress, which includes in terms of the Democratic primary, I don't know, 75 different people have gotten into it. Um, I guess let's start with the basic question that I think a lot of people have been asking that I've been hearing in person, on social media, even on talk radio did you want to do this or do you see this this run for Congress as so, sort of a secondary role based on politics? I think that that's, that's something that is floating around that if you'd like to address that. No, I'm very excited to be uh, running to represent uh, Rhode Island's 2nd Congressional District in Washington. Um, and I think it's an important race for us uh, as a state. Uh, you know, I'm running for Congress because I think we need leaders in Washington who can cut through the nonsense, deliver results for working people, and fight to preserve our democracy. Uh, Look at what's going on around the world. We need leaders in Rhode Island who will stand up and fight for Rhode Island values. It it used to be in this country that if you were willing to work hard and play by the rules and do the right thing, you could build a stable middle-class life and create opportunity for your kids and live in, in stability and peace. Uh, And unfortunately, uh, in recent decades, uh, that American dream has broken down for a lot of people. And and there are more and more Rhode Islanders who are working harder and harder, uh, but having a hard time keeping up with the cost of living and paying the bills. And I want to get to Washington and deliver results for working people in Rhode Island, uh, make health care more affordable, uh, stand up for voting rights and women's rights and workers' rights. and Nothing will make it harder for us 
to restore the American dream in our country uh, than if Kevin McCarthy and the Republican Party are allowed to take control of Congress again, because what they have shown is that they don't care a lick about working people. They want to do Donald Trump's bidding, and we cannot afford that as a state. So uh, I am excited uh, for this race, and uh, I feel that we have to go all out uh, because we want to ensure that not only do we prevent Kevin McCarthy and the hardline Washington Republicans from taking over, but that we have leadership in Washington that can really deliver tangible results for working families in Rhode Island. Recently here on the podcast, both Senators White, Senator Whitehouse and Congressman Langevin have sort of echoed that sentiment of a Speaker McCarthy is is a sort of a bone chilling reality for for a lot of people. Um, you know, Senator Whitehouse was saying he's pure MAGA, you know, so on and so forth. So there is that. They also each stip said that they were concerned about a circular firing squad. At least that's how the senator phrased it in terms of the Democratic primary that, you know, you got a million people in the race and actually don't even what is it, seven, eight, nine people. And then all of a sudden there's a matchup against whether it's an Alan Fung or one of the further to the right GOP candidates that could land the Republicans with an advantage. Are you concerned about the amount of people in this Democratic primary, or do you see it as an opportunity to, to debate and identify uh, to the, the voting public where you stand as compared with other potentials? Well, I think there's a real risk that Alan Fung or another Republican could win this seat if we do not have a strong Democratic nominee who is battle-tested and has run and won statewide elections before. Um, look, I know a number of the people in the primary, they're all good people and I like them and I have no doubt that they're in the race for the right reasons, but I do believe that we need a democratic candidate who has the experience of having served all of district two, um, as I have a state treasurer delivering results on good issues like school construction and investing in clean energy and managing the state pension fund to an all time high as I have. Uh, and also bringing the experience of having campaigned statewide before and, and won statewide before. Um, I, I think uh, I understand why you know, Senator Whitehouse and Congressman Langevin are concerned about this seat, um, because let's break down what it would mean if we sent a Republican like Alan Fung to Washington. The most important vote that the next member of Congress will take is the first vote for which party is going to be in charge of the chamber. And at a time when Rhode Islanders are concerned about the cost of living and concerned about lack of economic opportunity and incomes not being high enough, the Republican agenda is to roll back the Affordable Care Act, to privatize Social Security, to make it harder for people to vote at a time when Ukrainians are risking their lives in the name of democracy. Uh, the Republican Party in Washington is doing everything they can to make it harder for people to vote here. And so we need to do our part as a state in Rhode Island to keep this seat in democratic control so that we can keep Congress in democratic control and fight back against what would be a disastrous set of events for Rhode Islanders if the Republicans took over. So I'm in this race for that reason. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to a vigorous campaign in, in both the primary and the general election. As I said, uh, I have nothing but positive things to say about the other primary candidates who I know. But um, we need a Democrat in this race uh, who can go toe to toe with an Alan Fung uh, because uh, this race is just too important. We need someone who is battle tested and has uh, been successful statewide and district wide before.
There's also the practical side of this, which includes, you know, you live in Congressional District 1. You did say you'd move to Congressional District 2. Um, you know, the lifestyle of, of D.C. to Rhode Island, I mean, to me, it seems appealing. You know what I mean? I'm somebody who loves to, you know, get out of here whenever I can for 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 business purposes. Um, there are some people who would cringe at that notion. Are you up for that? You know, uh, on the personal side, the family side, on and just in terms of everything that goes into the mechanics of being a congressperson. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I became a new father four months ago. Um, I have a son, Max, now who's uh, growing and healthy. Congratulations. And healthy. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, I want Max to grow up uh, in a country uh, where we have real economic opportunity. I want Max to grow up in a country. Uh, where we still have a functioning democracy. Um, and uh, so, you know, uh, that is what motivates me in this race and the logistics we will work through. Um, you mentioned uh, District 2. You know, in the last seven years as treasurer, I've shown that I can deliver for District 2. Our state school construction program is building new elementary schools in Cranston and going to be uh, rebuilding the high schools in Warwick. Our Clean energy programs that we started at the Infrastructure Bank have uh, helped Warwick change all of its streetlights to LED. The town of West Warwick has not paid an electric bill on its town buildings in five years because of the programs that we started that have built uh, windmills and solar panels in West Warwick. So I think one of the things that I can bring to this race and can bring to Congress is that I know District 2 very well because I've been delivering results for the district for the last several years, and I'll continue to as a member of Congress. There's no question that there's a difficulty moving from statewide office to a federal office, just in terms of the, the the pragmatic aspect of having to possibly call donors and say, hey, do you mind if I send you the money back? Do you mind redonating and so on and so forth? I mean, that's just a pain. Let's be honest about it. I'm sure it's not exactly what you want to spend your time doing, but it's necessary. How's that process going? And then in terms of endorsements, you've racked up some significant endorsements. Yeah, we're off to a great start in this uh, race for Congress. So um, in just three weeks, uh, we've raised about three quarters of a million dollars. Uh, we have earned some terrific endorsements, as you noted before, from organizations that represent working people. So we've earned endorsements from Unite Here, the union that represents uh, a lot of hotel and hospitality workers. We've earned endorsements from uh, the iron workers and carpenters and just today, we announced the plumbers and pipe fitters. Uh, and it's because I have a track record as treasurer um, delivering results, uh, delivering results on issues like schools, clean energy, uh, strengthening the pension system. And so uh, I think we're off to a very strong start in this race because people understand how important it is that we not allow Alan Fung or another Republican to win this seat. We have to uh, do our part. For breaking news and daily digital content, follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, even LinkedIn. Just search for me, Bill Bartholomew. Now back to B-Town. Let's talk about Russia, Ukraine, first of all. I mean, just the the idea that we're in this geopolitical environment now that that is evolving, that is certainly going to at minimum, spill over at some level into a decision-making process. If you you are in Congress, I mean, I think President Zelensky. A lot of people see him as, you know, this sort of modern-day hero um, of sorts. He's at least become that in in social media and in the press. But on a on a local level, you know, you've got President Trump. You've got some people out there that have just this bizarre 
uh, fascination or approval of Vladimir Putin, it's it's almost it, it can't even really speak about it without you know getting uh, upset about it. Um, but at the same time, you know, your, your office day a tweet came out that uh, you've asked your investment staff to develop a plan to responsibly liquidate all pension fund investments in Russian stocks and bonds. Talk about that specifically, and then in general, your view on geopolitics right now. And, and and what that would do to short, sort of shape your your vision as a congressperson. Yeah, so let me start by saying that I think like all Rhode Islanders, uh, I've been uh, shocked and uh, appalled at the actions of Vladimir Putin over the past week, invading a, uh, a peaceful and democratic nation, uh, killing civilians, including children, uh, my heart goes out to the people of Ukraine, as, as I know uh, all Rhode Islanders do, because in Rhode Island, we believe in democracy and freedom and peace. Um, and we need a coordinated global response to this aggression, because the thing about Putin and other strongmen dictators like him is that if you give them an inch, they will take a mile. And if he is allowed to overthrow the legitimate democratically elected government of Ukraine, he will not stop there. Um, he, his ambition uh, and his ruthlessness know no bounds. And so we need a strong response. Uh, I did take the action uh, over the last few days of asking our investment team uh, to uh, put together a plan to responsibly uh, eliminate the state's investments in Russian financial securities. Uh, I'm going to be calling an emergency meeting of the State Investment Commission later this week, uh, where we will lay out a plan for what exactly we're going to do. Um, now, the good news uh, for Rhode Island is that uh, Russian investments are a very, very small percentage of our state, less than three-tenths of a percent of our state's investments. So this is not going to impact us financially very much. But I think it's important that we do our part as a state to say that we are not going to do anything to support this kind of behavior from this uh, this brutal regime. And uh, I've also been calling other state treasurers from around the country uh, to try to encourage them to take similar action. Because while we may be small in Rhode Island, we can be thought leaders and we can bring bigger states along with us uh, to try to, um, uh, to do our part to push back. Um, we need to draw a line in the sand that says that in 2022, we are not going to allow uh, an autocratic uh, regime like Vladimir Putin's to uh, invade democratic, peaceful nations, kill civilians, there will be consequences. There have to be consequences. So that's why we're taking this action. We'll have more to say later in the week when we convene the State Investment Commission. Um, but I think it's important that we in Rhode Island do our parts. Yeah, we're certainly seeing it in the private sector. One example, BP divesting their uh, Russian-held assets and and really unsellable at this time. So actually they are taking a huge financial hit. So at, in terms of state, you know, fiscal operations, it, it, it's, you know, it's certainly consistent with sort of the message we're seeing across the spectrum from the private sector. And, you know, we're even seeing with people, you know, boycotting or not putting Russian vodka on their shelves. So there's a lot of ways to do this, but it's interesting that you've initiated this at the state level. Yeah, there's plenty of locally made uh, uh, Rhode Island and American vodka that people can use and so can can purchase instead, and so we we encourage them to do so. There is an issue that that took place last week. It got some attention, but it didn't 
to me, it spoke volumes. That was that this this red ink community library. There's some people there reading the Communist Manifesto, Manifesto out loud. It was. I'm not exactly sure. I guess it was tied into some sort of international event. Whatever the case may be, folks showed up who were displaying Nazi you know, flags and banging on the doors, so on and so forth. Um, you know, you have the minority leader here, Blake Filippi, who was trying to suggest that the quote unquote commies are just as bad as the Nazis involved in this. How do you assess this from a free speech perspective, but then also from the reality that when you have people waving flags with an iron cross on it, um, it, it, it it shows that there is uh, this type of activity happening in Rhode Island. Well, I come from a Jewish family and uh, the idea that we would have Nazis uh, protesting, you know, intimidating uh, people in Providence for any reason uh, is just appalling. And, uh, you know, there's, there's clear evidence that this type of behavior white nationalists, Nazis, Proud Boys, these far-right racist elements uh, have been emboldened uh, since they saw Donald Trump win the White House. Uh, you know, famously when Charlottesville happened and he said they were fine people on both sides, the sort of wink and a nod that he and his followers give to white supremacists should concern all of us, which again is why uh, we cannot elect a Trump-supporting Republican uh, to represent us in Congress, because uh, if we give any uh, sort of aid or comfort uh, to uh, those elements, uh, they will be emboldened and they will harass innocent people. So, uh, you know, it's all tied together. I mean, the the rise in uh, Nazism, white nationalism, the rise in autocratic regimes like Putin's, you know, thinking that they can invade other countries. Um, you know, a lot of it comes back to we had an American president for four years uh, who was cheering for the bullies uh, instead of standing up for the oppressed. And uh, it's just plain wrong. So we have to do our part as a state in Rhode Island to fight back against it. Looking at the congressional race specifically, have you had any conversations with Congressman Langevin or Congressman Cicilline about this and anything that you can share based on those if they happened? I'm not going to get into details of private conversations, but yes, I've had conversations with with every member of the congressional delegation to ask their advice, uh, not just political advice, but uh, advice on how I can be the most effective member of Congress for uh, Rhode Island. Because, you know, I think as a state, we've we've punched above our weight by having a very strong congressional delegation that has uh, done a terrific job delivering resources for Rhode Island. And I want to continue uh, that legacy and ensure that in Rhode Island, uh, you know, we're able to continue to have a strong federal representation that will help deliver for the state. When you were in the governor's race, you certainly didn't hold back criticism of Governor McKee. Now that you've kind of exited that orbit, do you see yourself endorsing a candidate? And if so, uh, or when would that take place? And, you know, obviously you're not in the race you know, so it's a different animal now that it is what it is. Like Dr. McDonald said the other day, you know, some, some quote when he was in the Navy, the truth is what it is until it changes, you know, and that's, that's the reality. I don't think it's fair for people to call you out and say, Hey, you were just running for governor. Now you changed your mind. I mean, things shift, but looking at the governor's race, you'd certainly have interaction at a substantial level. If you were in Congress, um, are you comfortable with governor McKee, uh, if he were to be reelected or, you know, how do you look at that now? Now that because it, it's certainly out there in the public record that you were hypercritical of him. 
Well, I, I will strongly support whoever the Democratic nominee for governor is, and I will work with whoever the Democrat or with whoever the governor is, uh, Democrat, Republican, or otherwise, um, because uh, you have to be willing to set politics aside and work together to deliver for the people of Rhode Island. And so, uh, I've been in contact with uh, with Governor McKee, with Secretary Gorbea, Helena Fultz, and they all know that as a member of Congress, I will be a partner with which with, with whichever of them is elected, and uh, we'll work together to move the state forward. Uh, that's what people expect of us, and that's the attitude that I've always brought to public service. you got to be willing to put politics aside and work together to get things done. Last question here. Uh, how are you feeling? I mean, it's been, there's no question it was kind of a whirlwind there. I mean, it, it seemed like people were talking about their backroom deals over the weekend with Helena folks a couple, like a month and a half ago, who's going to run for governor, who's going to run for congressperson. Did any of that happen? And, you know, are you feeling good coming out of this? Um, you know, just the, 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 some people are suggesting that you're demoralized in the media. Some people are suggesting that, you know, like going back to what we started with, that this was sort of your second option. How are you doing? I'm feeling great. I am excited <laughs> for this race. Let me say, this is the fight of our lifetimes, right? I mean, what what is at stake in this election is, uh, you know, economic security for Rhode Islanders, whether we're going to have the Affordable Care Act, whether we're going to let the Republicans privatize Social Security. What's at stake is voting rights and fighting back against this Trump-led attempt to disenfranchise people all across the country. Uh, what's at stake in this election uh, is standing up for women's rights and workers' rights when the Republicans want to turn back the clock on those. I am, uh, you know, I've been in this campaign for a month now. I'm loving it because this is the fight of our generation. You know, for me as a, uh, frankly, for me as a millennial, this is the fight of our generation. We need to turn the page on Trumpism and build something better so that we can deliver real results for working people and our democracy can endure. So I am loving this race. I'm excited for it. And I'm even more excited to get to Washington and deliver results for Rhode Islanders. Yeah, the, the millennial factor, it, it, it speaks volumes. Of course, we had the financial crisis at the end of the aughts. We've had all kinds of factors with 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 just world affairs, yeah. a pandemic. You know, yeah. now we've got a loan crisis. I mean, a whole. Yeah, we've we've. We have inherited um, a lot of messes that, uh, you know, were not the fault of our generation, but it is up to our generation to uh, to fix them. And I'm excited to get down to Washington and do that work on behalf of the people of Rhode Island. Rhode Island's podcast of record, B-Town.